Hello, welcome to Cultural Masonry, episode one. Uh, I'm once again Kevin Lucas, and this is Paige. Hi. And we're joined today by uh, Mr. Daniel Spratt. Hello. I'm glad to be here. This is my first interview, so we'll see. How it's it our goes. first interview too. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll just jump right in, and uh, we'll just wing it. Uh, Daniel, like will you tell us a little bit about who you are? I am. Man, that's a good question. I am a guy that is sitting here talking to the Lucases. Um, I am a husband and a father of six children, four girls here, and I've got two boys waiting for me on the other side. Well, a boy and uh, unknown waiting for me on the other side. And I live in Leavenworth, Kansas, and just a, a guy trying to be obedient and do what God asked me to do. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so after our introductory episode, um, we got so much positive feedback. Uh, the <laughs> one, the one bit of, uh, not criticism, but constructive criticism. No, it wasn't criticism. <laughs> it, it was a suggestion was that, uh, we could possibly define terminology better. Um, and I knew when we were recording it, that I was probably not being very eloquent about <laughs> the idea of cultural or culture building, uh, what cultural masonry means to us. Um, and so I wanted to, well, my response to the comment was, uh, stay tuned because we're having Daniel Spratt on this week. <laughs> and, uh, and I think that, I think that you can probably explain it long better than I can. Um, I think you've probably been sort of in the circles of culture building longer than I have. So, uh, could you, in your words, sort of explain what the, the concept of culture building means to you? Well, that's, it's not exactly my words, but I think it was Van Til said that culture is religion externalized. And so when we think of, when I think of culture building, I think it is people living out their religion and what we're seeking to do as a church and as Christians is to build a society based around Christian values and ethics. And, and so that's what we're trying to do intentionally is think about what does obedient Christian life look like and what does it look like in the world today here in Kansas and Missouri. Mm -hmm. um, Paige, you wanna... Yeah. Um, so uh, I think you kind of already dived into this a little bit, or at least alluded to the fact that uh, we're encouraging Christians to be about culture building. Like what are the biblical grounds for that? Man. Yeah, we should have probably yeah. given you a heads up about some of these <laughs> hard-hitting questions. Yes. <laughs> well, I think it's um, it's an inescapable thing. Is all people worship, all people believe something, and their life revolves around it. Mm -hmm. um, in America today, we see ourselves as a democracy which is demos, which is the people, the people rule. And so that is why we see what we see of the, all the 
sin and perversions and selfishness is the people are ruling and you're building a country around what I want. Mm -hmm. And so as Christians, we're called to be a city on a hill, a light. Don't put a basket over it. Jesus was talking about. And so if we're Christians, um, Pastor Wilson talks about a lot is what comes out your fingertips is your theology. Mm -hmm. And so how you live is what you believe. And so it's just inescapable that if we're Christians and living in this world, it should look like there are Christians living in this world. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the, the idea of there's no, um, oh, what's, what's the word? There's no like, uh, neutrality neutrality that's the word i'm looking for yeah uh and because we hold the god's law uh yeah that's the direction that we're gonna lean towards right yeah um and drop the the very scary sketchy word of theonomy <laughs> which is another fancy word that just means god's law and so you either have people's law or you have god's law mm-hmm since you brought it up, I guess, why is that such a scary thing for, because I know I've been in conversations with Christians before and we're like, oh, we're not going to use the word theonomy or talk about it, even though that seems to be sort of like kind of at the heart of culture building in a sense. Like why, why is that so scary? Do you think to? I, I think there have been I'm not a historian, but I think there's been a lot of Christians in the past who've done it really clumsily mm -hmm. and tried to bring laws straight over without actually understanding the purpose and the principles behind it. It's my speculation. And so you get, hey, let's <laughs> kill people in the streets and yeah. <laughs> stone your children and some of these things. It's like when you really clumsily without yeah. wisdom and discernment yeah. trying to work it out yeah. thoughtfully well and, I, and i've heard you know uh people compare it to um maybe like other religions as well like well isn't that just the christian version of the taliban or something like yeah. that where you're trying to impose these like religious standards on the on the people um and obviously there's some very key differences. <laughs> there, there is a very key difference is there is a God and it's yeah. not that one. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be the kicker. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the laws that the true loving creator God gives will not look like named people. Yeah. And and all the abuses it won't look like that because his law is good right as as david especially in the 119th psalm just over and over and over again tells us how good and beautiful is god's law mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um all right so let's uh, I don't think you mentioned this in your introduction oh, yeah. uh, but you are an elder yes <laughs> of Christ Church Leavenworth. Yes. So if you, I can try to do the really quick and dirty uh, <laughs> summary of, not dirty, <laughs> the, the quick summary of how Christ Church Leavenworth came about 
um, we were as a family and me as a, a husband was making the, the, the spiritual growth transition from a more um, dispensational Baptist viewpoint to more covenantal viewpoint. And as we were growing and looking for churches that were agreeing with some of these viewpoints of the understanding of children and their place in the covenant and an optimistic eschatology and and trying to apply God's word today, we weren't finding much. We were part of a small church that was a blessing for a couple of years. There was a plant that got too small and, and people moved on. Mm-hmm. And so we were kind of left without a church. So we decided, us and another family from the church decided, hey, let's do a Bible study, not a church, a Bible study on Sunday afternoons and see what happens. And so we were just trying to be obedient where we were at, having people over for meals. And finally, one day, a couple people got up and we all got together and like, well, let's see. Let's see if this can be something. And so we reached out to our uh, mission church in the CREC and there was some another church that was willing to sponsor us and kind of give us oversight oversight elders and mm-hmm. and then the whole 2020 thing happened with mm-hmm. <laughs> the oh, disease that shall not be named right and a lot of churches were closing and we were thinking we're like you know we want to be a covid church that opened and not closed. Just names the disease. But oh, man. <laughs> We're going to get flagged. No, no. Flag, no. It's going to be like misinformation go- on this. <laughs> there goes my Facebook. <laughs> but so December 6th of 2020, we had our first official church gathering. And and it's been, it's been a wild ride. Now we're talking about having our 10th family join the church in the next few few weeks and it's it's exciting yeah it's exciting so it's a really short yeah rundown thank you did good so as a as a church elder i know we kind of talked about culture building done poorly so as a church elder how do you shepherd steer your people in your congregation in a direction towards culture building that is less clumsy i suppose oh that's another good question so when the small group of us were thinking about how to affect culture how to grow culture how to you know i I felt a burden for leavenworth where we live when read some good books about you know rules for reformers and principles of war and some of these and it talk about decisive points and strategic locations we felt like leavenworth was one of those and so as we we're thinking about how do you change culture we realized it has to culture needs to be shaped around moral men and moral men will be a church and it will have men that are trying to lead and be obedient. So we felt, obviously, church is first. You won't change culture if you don't have strong churches. Mm-hmm. Right after that, it was, well, 
now you have churches with a church with men they have wives and children and those kids need to learn stuff so now we're working on starting a school and then we have uh, a man in our church who's a great businessman, mind for business, all that stuff. I'm sure you'll just talk to him at some point. Yeah. And he's trying to get businesses so that the men can work. And so we think, we believe that God works through people. And so if you have a strong fellowship of people, of men, led by godly men, then that is how it happens i mean culture is people mm -hmm. and if we are having people it's just math and time <laughs> we keep our kids yeah we have kids we win <laughs> growth from within the best yeah. way to grow a church right <laughs> that's kids <laughs> just kidding it's the best way to build a culture yes i i know because we've spoken before um there's a uh, something cool about love and worth in uh, the way that God tells stories. Yes, this is something that it was actually my wife kind of saw it before I did. Leavenworth is the first city in Kansas. Okay. It was a Calvary fort for the people heading west to fight, to protect the travelers. And so my wife saw the the story of this should be the first city in Kansas that publicly proclaims Christ. Like how that, that just sounds like yeah. the way our story writing God would tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's cool. the heartland. I mean, you talk yeah. about, I mean, it, it works on so many levels. It's like, Oh, if you want to change something, you change the heart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The bread, you know, there's so much, there's a lot of analogy imagery. and uh, yeah, imagery. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the word. That's awesome. But... So we pray about for that. We I've been praying that for years that it'd be the first city that there's work to get. There's yeah. work to do. Yeah. But but our God wins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, oh, so um, I guess looking at what you said about like being in a church that's um obedient to Christ and obeying scripture and being obedient to Christ all of that um is so foundational to to moving forward in culture building obviously like I'm sure a large portion of the people at our church are listening to this but I'm sure it's not exclusively the people <laughs> at our church hopefully <laughs> um, but they're welcome to come to our church exactly yeah. that, yes well, <laughs> um I guess, uh, sorry to interject, oh, if it no, wasn't clear, uh, Paige and I are also members at yes. Christ Church Leavenworth. Yes. Yeah. Daniel is our elder. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think we said that at the outset, but that's the relationship. <laughs> we could have put that in, the, in an intro to the intro. Yeah. Um, but anyway, since that seems to be a foundational spot, men in church, um, what do we do right now, given that there are still churches closed or churches doing weird things like how do what encouragement do you have for people who maybe don't have that sort of a church available to them in their area so i we love our church we would love more people to come <laughs> but apart from that i i'll just say what other 
with did you watch the video I had sent out mm -hmm. is other people have said this is this is a time where you want community and we don't want to encourage divisiveness or people discontent or grumbling if God has you someplace mm -hmm. be there be joyful but be praying if you need to be someplace else but I have encouraged other people that I know say, Hey, you should find a place where you can plug in mm -hmm. because KJ and other men in our church and I, we really like 2020 because it feels like you got to see the true colors. Mm -hmm. You got to see who would have your back. Yeah. If, when, it, if it gets bad, yeah, if you need to stand up, for what you believe in, you'll know who who will be there with you. And so that's one of the things that people other than me are saying, mm -hmm. smarter guys than me that would say, find a place that you can love and trust the people because mm -hmm. you may need them in the days to come. Yeah. Do you have any? another question before um, i have more questions uh, <laughs> i have a, a thought formulating but go ahead we'll circle back. we'll circle back um, <laughs> circle back <laughs> we'll put a pin in it so uh so it seems like a lot of the time especially in certain christian circles there's a lot of people that will look at what's going on in like mainstream culture and spend a lot of time just freaking out about that um obviously you kind of have to know what you're combating in mainstream culture to some degree but like do you think that there's a balance to be had where it's like you understand what's happening over here but you're building over here you know what i mean absolutely i think that you have to be careful what your your intake is because that mm. matters and I think how you view God telling this story matters. And you can either think that this is a sinking ship and, mm -hmm. and there's just no point. And then you buy a bunch of land out <laughs> in the woods and hide. Yeah, and put wait, all your wait. cash in a mattress. I've yes. heard several people talking yes. about all those options. All the, I, I know people <laughs> have, who have done those options. And good for them but <laughs> that's not going to change culture mm -hmm. if you think there will always that's how we got here is because christians didn't go out and try to build and grow stuff mm -hmm. we kept our faith between our ears which the world is perfectly happy with they're perfectly happy with you and your relationship with god staying between your ears but I'm excited for this time, even though I know it's going to be rough is, oh man, just think of the opportunities. Like all yeah. the businesses are closed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Start one. All like we, you know, people have said, we've got the internet. I mean, you can reach 4 billion people Yeah. from here, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and yeah. with something in your pocket. So it's something to think about is, don't be stupid. Don't rush into things. But there's opportunities now that that weren't there before. We just got to be careful and 
when it's done crumbling, it's going to need people to build stuff. And the people that were there first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think a, a I head think, start. I'm sorry. No, it just has a head start. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I think that everyone um, from all perspectives kind of has the very like the ground is shaking beneath their feet kind of feeling. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would say to people, if you feel like society is collapsing, then you're right because <laughs> Uh, yeah. because a godless society cannot be sustained um but the but a lot of people are going to that like prepper mode you know it's like yeah buy it land fun. buy a lot of guns <laughs> it is fun uh, i can see you I, know yeah, yeah, yeah stock uh, stockpile food and water which is all good stuff i'm I, all for it but that's not how you're going to survive the collapse of society right uh, that's not how you're going to build anything exactly yeah. building building a faithful economy uh, a, a faithful society um is the is yeah. the only way that has any longevity right? yeah so and one of the things another group of people i listen to talk about the, the t-rex guys is communication and in community is one of the things that i'm doing to try to prepare for the days ahead is have friends. Here's an idea, you know, (laughs) talk about prepping is like, talk about being able to insulate yourself from whatever happens is if you have 10 friends, you just have 10 safe houses Yeah, and you have 10 people to call and you have 10 people with toilet paper and water. I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm you have friends you have people to call yeah you know you may be cool with your gun but you're tired sometime (laughs) and you can't watch all the corners of your house you and your lonerness you know yeah yeah so the the answer to even the the short-term uh dangers ahead is society and like i mean not society uh social circles like friends family that network um and then you know, on the long-term perspective, it's the same thing, just yeah. like on a bigger scale. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's one of the things that we're seeing both in our church and churches around America is men are looking for other men of principle. Mm-hmm. We're, we're looking for men that, that stand up and don't just go along that churches that won't close that churches that won't burden people's consciences, you know, we're, and, you know, I've used this illustration a lot with a lot of people is I believe 2020 was a lot like the, the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, you know, they put up the idol and Hey, when the music plays, everybody kneel down. Mm-hmm. And when the music played, if you're Shadrach, Meshach, or Abednego, you now know who's on your team. It's super easy. Mm-hmm. They're the two other guys standing up. It's like, it's me and him and him. <laughs> yeah. My team was very defined right then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people, a lot of churches tied their shoes when the music played. Not that they aren't godly, obedient Christians, but they didn't get stiff when they should have they didn't stand up when they should have they they will i mean they're friends they're allies they're comrades i'm not 
questioning people's salvation at all. Yeah. It's like, I just now don't have as much confidence in you. Yeah. You know, to go out with the 300 with their torches and say, Hey, let's go take the Midianites. Mm-hmm. You, know, like, you come and chase them later. <laughs> right. You come help pick up the stuff. Back to camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll call you. We'll call you <laughs> when we need you. Okay. So one question that I have for you then is, so we've seen sort of the shakeout of 2020 with, um, pastors, fellow Christians, whatever it may be, um, responding to mandates from the government and things like that. What advice, encouragement, exhortation would you give to Christians who maybe like are now realizing, oh, I didn't really do that well and like are wanting to like repent? Stand, I don't stand, know. Stand up, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's a good question. I'll lean on what everybody else has said. Is if you're wrong, the only way to make that right is to repent. Mm-hmm. And if you, and we tell our kids this, if it was a public, a public sin, yeah, it needs to be that public when you make it right. Mm-hmm. So if you believe now that you shouldn't have closed and you did. Mm-hmm. You need to make an announcement. Like this is your leadership matters. The the you know Jesus says you'll be like your teachers. Like if you want your congregation to repent when they're wrong, show them how. Mm-hmm. Um, if you didn't think you were wrong, but you won't do it again, then you got to tell people that is hey. We didn't know, made the best decision I could at the time. We made the best decisions we could at the time. This is why we're going to do something different. You know, somebody talked about an after action report. Okay, what can we learn? What did we do? How does that apply? Oh, man, we got played and we got played hard. Yeah. And and then I would also recommend start reading your history. We've written, our our people have been leaned on by the governments in the past. Yeah. And we've written lots of books about <laughs> it. I'd start with like Lex Rex and um, Vindicie Contra Ternos. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sketchy on my Latin. <laughs> but the, the Protestant resistance theory, how even our country came about is because Christians were leaned on by the government. The government was telling Christians and churches what to do. And there's been a lot of soul searching, a lot of ink spilt. Mm -hmm. And because we've gotten so far away from reading our history, we don't, and it's good stuff. Like they've asked all these questions and answered them when it mattered, when there was fiery stakes like it wasn't just a ticket it was they will burn you for this yeah and they thought it through hard in the fire and and came out with some good answers so read your history yeah. there's a lot of it out there this is sort of an aside but i think it's really interesting I, i've been saying this since like the beginning of the all of the 2020 stuff that's now almost like two years yes. in or whatever <laughs> um i studied uh, 
the French Revolution for a year in high school because I was a part of some like academic decathlon class or whatever. Um, showing my colors here. Yeah, no. Good for you. <laughs> way smarter than me. Uh, no, no. Um, but I just remember thinking of, like all of the things that were like being said and all of just like the power grabs and people with like socialism and whatever. I was like, they did this before and like the French Revolution failed and then they tried to do it again and it failed again. Yes. And I think <laughs> actually you, you could probably tell me on this. Um, who is the main leader of the French Revolution again? Well, I mean, there was Robespierre. Robespierre, which I was think the his of political ever. party was like the the party for public safety. <laughs> like it was actually called oh, like public safety. It's yeah. like this has happened before. Yeah. Ex ex this is like a play sheet. This is yeah. yeah. I remember this. like early on in the in the in the COVID times, like the the common word was unprecedented. Like, you know, no. it was like, oh, these unprecedented times. No one knows what to do. It's like, it's like actually, uh, <laughs> yeah. people who haven't read don't know right. what to yeah. do. It's like, you've guys. never experienced this before, but that doesn't uh, mean I it's unprecedented. The black plague is a thing. And, <laughs> and it's funny, too, and this will tie it back in, I think. Hopefully, I can make connections and jumps in my head. So, like, even with the French Revolution and Robespierre, like, as they were coming to arrest him, finally, he tried to kill himself and he shot himself in the head, but only hit his jaw and didn't kill himself. And it was, and I don't know, like it just is like the epitome of like, I'm not giving up and I'm so petty about it. I was like, <laughs> uh, I can't believe. Just doubling down. <laughs> and, and he was known for his eloquent tongue. And then when he went to trial, he couldn't even talk. Yeah. He couldn't even defend himself because um so i guess kind of tying it back to what we were talking about before been a rabbit trail there but that's okay <laughs> and also tying it back uh to culture building um how do you see uh, uh repentance and like being able to admit when you're wrong not trying to escape <laughs> um as do you find it to be like central or pivotal in culture building? Cause I mean, we're, we're all sinners. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the, the things we do at church as you're very familiar with, but though the listeners may not be is we do weekly confessions. We have a congregation, a time of quiet personal confession, a public confession, uh, you know, assurance of pardon. And it's at the, the very early part of the service because we recognize, yes, we are sinners. And the only thing that will save a country, a civilization, is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess. And it's like confession is key. It is central. And if we want the world to confess Jesus is Lord, show them how. If they need to repent, show them how. Mm -hmm. So we need to do it. And that's one of the core things I'm sure, Kevin, you've caught is in the church is over and over and over again, it's men confess your sins. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to even show our families how. If we're not 
being confessing men. We won't have confessing families. We won't have a confessing church. And then you will have churches full of weak, sin-filled men mm -hmm. instead of men that are bold because they're forgiven, not because they're perfect, but because they've confessed. And confessing is just, it's just so key. And yeah. it's, but then we stand up and we have the assurance of pardon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're sinners, but Christ died. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and what a what a freeing a freeing oh, moment man. when you stand up and you, you hear the assurance and yes, there's, there's you know there's nowhere to go but from there. You yeah, know? it's like and, all right, let's do it. And let's then the men, and, and then we as a people can stand up boldly mm -hmm. with our shoulders back, and we're not scared. Yeah, you know we don't have skeletons in the closet. Because we confessed it. We're like, they're not in the closet. We already talked about them. Yeah. They're covered by the grace of Christ. We're not scared. Yeah. Now I'm just ad libbing it. My, yeah, my think, questions are done. We took a nice tangent. Yeah, I think that was the French Revolution. It <laughs> was a really good uh, a detour there, but it all applies. You, know, you got to yeah. look back. You got to look back and then you got to look forward to, you know. And so for culture building, I guess, on the, um, like on the long-term perspective. Yeah. Uh, I guess like, I don't know what I'm trying to go with this. I guess like on a, on a practical level, it's like, what do we need to be working on now so that our grandkids can benefit from a, the security of a faithful yeah. culture? <laughs> and part of that is, and this is an embarrassment to us as American Christians is think about grandkids. Mm. Hmm. Like, what's the bumper sticker? I'm spending my kids' inheritance. <laughs> that's America. Yeah. And that's, you know, part of the American Christian eschatology is we're not planning for grandkids because we think Jesus is going to be here in two seconds. Oh, boy. How many times have you heard that this last year? Oh, man, it's getting it's bad. Coming. Jesus yeah. is coming. Yeah. yeah. It's like he didn't come at the Black Plague when... <laughs> You know, every other neighbor died. was dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, we're here because we've been thinking about Jesus coming instead of saying, what do we do for our grandkids? Yeah. I think the word you used was covenantal, which yes. we're all very familiar with. But do you want to give like a quick, quick definition? definition? Quick definition. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. If there is such a thing. If there is such a thing. Um, the idea of covenantal is that, and I'm probably going to slaughter it, so I hope no <laughs> real theologians listen, but that God is working through generations, mm -hmm. and he makes himself a people, and he saves himself a people, and I think it, he talks about how he wants a godly offspring, mm -hmm. and so when it comes to culture building, thinking covenantally is thinking in groups, in mm -hmm. peoples, in generations is what if this is just the beginning? Yeah. What if we're still the early church? Mm -hmm. Let's start building things. And we want to start building things that last. And I think that's churches, that's people, that's educating your kids and mm -hmm. your grandkids. We're not necessarily building a school for our kids. We're building a school for our kids' kids. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I want a church that my grandkids can go to. And we couldn't find one. And then, because my dad said, if you see something that needs to be done and nobody's doing it, maybe that's your job. Yeah. yeah. And so I recognize that I'm a man. I have shoulders. I'm supposed to be carrying stuff. And there wasn't what we were looking for. And there wasn't what other people were looking for. So let's do something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's how we're here. Yeah. I think that that mindset of just trying to even identify like what okay what needs to be done here um you know and and you can wish that like i wish my grandpa had you know started a school so that i'd have a school to send my kids to you know yeah uh but but that didn't happen um and so yeah the the idea of just having that kind of heads up approach to like okay what what needs what does there need to be how can we like I, I heard somebody say, I don't, I don't, it's like a Chinese proverb or something, but it's like the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago and the second best time is today, day. right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so it's like, yeah, well, it didn't get planted 30 years ago. So what, <laughs> what do we need? Yeah. What, what are they going to need 30 years from now? Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's a mindset. And thing. it is unfortunately what it is, is work. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just work for a long time in one direction. Just keep working yeah you know and it is it's don't pity party don't look oh man i wish grandpa would have done it and you sit around <laughs> doing nothing because grandpa didn't and, Just complain and then grandpa. your kid's gonna sit there your grandkids gonna be like i wish grandpa would have done yeah. something he should have done it back when he had and it's like oh okay yeah but we're supposed to be obedient today mm-hmm. yeah there's such a self-centeredness to yeah. just think about you know i mean yeah it's like well if it's not going to benefit me then i'm not going to do it I was talking to a an acquaintance the other day about uh, finances, and he was like, "I mean, we're going to be dead in thirty years anyway, so what's the point?" You know, I was like, "Dude, I, I have kids, you know." <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, it's like there's a a forward thinkingness, yeah. and, and it's such a great opportunity because we're having kids. Mm-hmm. They have pets. Their dogs don't care. Yeah, that's true. Like people are investing so much. We love animals. God loves animals. We're not against animals. <laughs> Gotta give that caveat. We're not against the animals, but they don't build culture. Yeah, they're part of culture, but they don't build it. Mm-hmm. They won't have your worldview. They won't be shaping the next generation. They won't be reading them stories and giving them Christmas presents. Yeah, that's people. Mm-hmm. People are made in the image of God. And let's think about it. You know, Proverbs talks about a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have an inheritance <laughs> from your great grandfather, there's a proverb about that. <laughs> so let's not be that one. Let's yeah. be the wise man, yeah. wise women of investing in the future. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite things. I, I don't know where it originates for sure, but I hear Rachel Jankovic say it a lot is uh, faithfulness doesn't always feel like what it's accomplishing, um, which I feel like is so true because I, I mean, a lot of this is hard work and and it doesn't always feel like you're like there are going to be rewards that you can see, but but it is that generally generational minded approach where it's like okay maybe in my lifetime i won't ever see this i mean i think about that with like hebrews 11 like mm-hmm. well those people died and they're like i never saw what i was 
promise. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I might not accomplish my goals, but I've got two sons for now, you know, maybe more in yeah. the future. And it's like, I'll, I'll and, raise them and faithfully. And we're and, Christians after all. I was telling my dad this, he was being faithful in something. He's like, I don't know if it'll make a difference. And it's like, but God saw it. Mm-hmm. It makes a difference. Like, if nothing else, we obeyed God, whether we ever see anything, whether yeah. it actually pays off. Yeah. Which it will. I mean, mm-hmm. nothing that you do in obedience to God doesn't. You mm-hmm. just may never see it as like, so you obeyed God. Right. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that's a win. That's back to covenantal. Yeah. Uh, co- covenantalism, covenant, <laughs> covenantal thinking. Yeah, yes. I guess. Yes. <laughs> God's okay. promises. He, he's always faithful to his promises. Yeah. That's why it's a covenant. Yes. And <laughs> God talks about He's never in debt to anybody. Mm-hmm. It's not like you did more for Him than He did for you, and you don't think, oh, that's. He's like, I don't owe anybody anything. I'm not, no man's better. Yeah. Anything done in my name has a fruit that it is blessed, whether you see it or not. Yeah. Um. So, you know, one of my questions as we're talking about all of this, I know that some, I don't know, pushback's really the right word, but like a different sort of way of thinking about this that I've heard from other people is like, oh, Christian culture building, then you're going to like build something that's so insular and you're just going to be this like weird community off in the corner doing their (laughs) own thing. But like what we've been talking about really testifies to the Lord and everybody that sees what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know that there are other people who are sort of of the mindset that like we as Christians right now, just tell everybody the gospel, like go through the Romans road with them. And like, that's what we need to be doing as Christians, not not getting into business or doing normal only associating with other Christians. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Things like that. So how do you, I don't know, bridge those things or maybe not bridge is the right word, but I mean, answer the, yeah, the gospel only people. (laughs) That's a tough one. Um, Because obviously the gospel should be in everything and we're not those we're not the type of Christians that say, share the gospel, use words if necessary. I mean, it's like, it requires words. Yeah. Yeah. He wrote a book with words (laughs) and it's required. Yeah. Jesus didn't come and just live a life and quietly disappear. Yeah. He came and he used words, but there's also his, um, going back to the earlier definition of what culture is, is, religion externalized is mm-hmm. gospel affects everything you do yeah and if it doesn't that should make you wonder if yeah. nobody knows you're a christian and nobody <laughs> likes you and you the worst employee yeah and you didn't do anything like think about that is the joy of the Lord should be flowing out of everything. You should be working as unto the Lord. Doesn't always mean you're the most skilled. Doesn't mean you're the smartest. Doesn't mean you're the most business successful. But are you working hard unto Jesus and build stuff? Mm-hmm. You know, and most of the time we just don't want to because it's work. Yeah. I think there's also like an exercise and. Uh, and making that connection between like, 
what you're doing in your everyday life and how that does actually connect to the gospel. Because I, I remember having a conversation with somebody and they're like, we want to do evangelism, we want to do outreach and things like that. It's like, okay. And they were talking about how to best utilize the skills that people had. And they're like, well, this person just really likes to bake. I was like, well, great. Like, have that person bake a bunch of cookies and like we can go hand them out or whatever and if people are like why are you doing this like you should be able to make that connection back to the gospel back to christ it's not disconnected but it does take you actually thinking about it mm. um which i feel like some people just divorce those two things in their mind they're like i have all these things that i do and but i don't make the connection to jesus in doing them i don't know yeah, I think there's also like uh, just the the concept of like building off of a solid foundation. If I'm trying to go out every day and and do street witnessing or something like that, but I'm not leading my family well, I'm not running my business faithfully or working my job under the Lord. I'm like shirking off those responsibilities that are God given. Then I'm not gonna like be successful in my street evangelism. You yeah, know? and and another thing that our eschatology viewpoint affects how that affects that is if this is a long run building strong families build something that stays longer mm -hmm. how many evangelists do you know that are on the street a lot and their kids are a mess mm -hmm. And the Bible talks about how much more so the household of faith. It talks about those who don't provide for their own families is worse than an unbeliever. I still haven't figured out what that means. It's worse than somebody going to hell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that looks like, but it's not good. And it's tied to families. All the, we just finished a sermon series out of Titus. And Timothy talks about the qualifications for elders is, if they don't know how to run their own household, how can they be trusted to run the church? Mm -hmm. And since we are trying to play a long game, you start by baking cookies for the people in your house. Mm -hmm. And it's super cool and attractive and everybody likes it when you bake cookies and give them to homeless people. Mm -hmm. And you're slapping your kid's hand saying, no, that's for the homeless people. <laughs> and he's like, mom, I just wanted a cookie. Yeah. It's like, start at home. Start, you know, we're covenantal, so we <laughs> we like our kids. But so many people think our, their kids aren't saved. And it's like, start at home. Yeah. Start evangelizing at home. and Start living out your faith at home. Yeah and all the people you're around and that is another one of those time and people if we stop losing our kids stop giving our kids to the world stop losing 70 percent of them when they go to college it's just time mm -hmm. yeah. we keep our kids we're having kids and they're not yeah this place is ours yeah in further it's jesus but <laughs> of course yes yeah <laughs> but, yeah i mean if you yeah just mathematically you know it's, yeah if, 
you know, I raised my, my kids faithfully and they raised their kids and their kids and their kids for generations and generations, then that's, you know, that's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. the... And God says he will bless that above and beyond. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. like, man, that's so it's fruitful. Exponential. Yeah. Well, at the risk of going even longer, we'll probably wrap up. So obviously we're a part of the church that you're an elder at, but how can other people be praying for you or what we have going on at the church? Oh, that's another good question. Pray for the leadership as we are growing fast and that we will be obedient, repenting, and faithful. I mean, this is a long run. Most of us, there's some that are experienced people, but some of us, this is the first go round on a whole church plant, church leadership stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we want to be faithful with our kids and our homes while we're trying to love and encourage the congregation to do the same and wisdom for the days ahead. Yeah. There's chances this could get, get colorful. <laughs> yeah. If Canada and Australia are any indication. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll wrap it up there. Um, thanks for coming. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Uh, Daniel rode a motorcycle through the rain to be, to be here. here to record this with <laughs> oh. us. So some dedication. Well, that to was uh, the fun part. <laughs> well, this is the fun part too. So. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you next time. We've got a couple other exciting interviews lined up. Uh, so um, yeah, come back at you. Yeah. Bye. <laughs>